0: Warrior Woman, welcome back to the podcast. This is my fifth episode of the Essential Skills for Training series. My guest today has her master's in sport and exercise physiology. Her final research project at university focused on the female athlete, where she investigated the effects of the menstrual cycle on running economy. But prior to that, she was an elite contemporary dancer. Esther Goldsmith is a sports scientist working for Orico. Orico is a sports science and data analytics company. And they primarily work uh, with athletes. But Esther focuses on a daughter branch of that company And that daughter branch is known as Fitter Woman. And they really focus on the female athlete. So Fitter Woman is really changing how female athletes train, prepare, and recover. And they created the world's first app to help women train in tune with their menstrual cycle. Fitter Woman helps you track your menstrual cycle and understand your cycle, or hashtag know your cycle. They provide personalized training and nutritional suggestions based on your cycle, uh, and they tailor it to the changing hormone levels throughout your cycle. So in the episode today, Esther and I talk about her story as an elite contemporary dancer, uh, we speak about female physiology, the menstrual cycle, why our cycle matters when it comes to training and performance, uh, training with the cycle, why eating enough and food frequency matters. And um, we talk about a really cool study that came out around that. And then how to track your period and train smarter using Fitter Woman. If one, you don't track your cycle, start tracking your cycle. When you know your cycle, you know your body. And then two, I really recommend and invite you to download Fit or Woman, the app. Uh, it is such an amazing app that really uh, teaches you a lot about the science of the cycle, your menstrual cycle, and then how to tailor Uh, and implement strategies to support your cycle and training. A quote from Esther, which I loved from the podcast, was, we never change training or not train. It's about having the right strategies. Okay, I really, really, really enjoyed connecting with her. Uh, We spoke about a lot. It was uh, one of my favorite episodes And you can connect with, uh, fitter woman by following them on Instagram and their, uh, tag. I'm not sure what it's called. Uh, (laughs) it's at F -F I T R and then woman W O M A N, Uh, and jump on there. They post a lot of really cool educational stuff, uh, They have a lot of athletes that are ambassadors and are really working uh, to bring this conversation forward, this uncomfortable conversation. So it's such a nice mix of the science that Orico and Fit Our Woman bring to it and then uh, really making it easy to understand and implement. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. I hope you enjoy This episode with Esther Goldsmith from Fitter Woman. This is the Off-Kilter Podcast. It is about breaking rules, listening to your ovaries, and coloring outside of the lines. Each week, we will connect and be in conversation about how to reignite your sexuality, feel powerfully graceful, and deeply connected to your body, all while navigating life. I am your teacher, Amy Kate Bo. My guest today has her masters in science in sport and exercise physiology. She is a sports scientist working for Orico, which is a sports science and data uh, analytics company, uh, primarily working in the daughter branch of that company that focuses on female athletes. Uh, for those of you who know one of the most popular female uh, menstrual cycle tracking apps, fitter woman, uh, my guest today is a sports scientist for fitter woman, and her final research project at university focused on the female athlete, where she investigated the effects of the menstrual cycle on running economy. Uh, but prior to that, she was an elite contemporary dancer. Estelle, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for being a part of this Essential Skills for Training series. Really, the intention behind the series was to bring together women who are uh, advanced in their practice or their sport to talk about how they train. Uh, and I'm super excited to have you on today. Uh, because so many women are overtraining, they're undernourishing themselves, and they're really uh, not following a process or a method that supports their physiology. And so today, I want to talk about why our cycle really matters when it comes to training and performance. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a yeah, there's a lot in this, and I guess I would love to start with why you do what you do. So mm-hmm. your story and your journey that led you to working for Orico, working for a fitter woman mm-hmm. and uh, really being involved in focusing on the female athlete.
1: Sure. So as you said, um, I grew up as a dancer, um, trained as a professional dancer, did that kind of as instead of my like a traditional university degree and i i got burnt out it's safe to say like um and it struggled through kind of completing my degree and it was it was very intense it was it like it is an intense training um and i I've, I've always been really interested by the human body and kind of our capacity um and that really developed once I kind of once I graduated and was trying to like negotiate what I was going to do. I wasn't going to dance. So I then went back to university and did my master's in um, applied sport and exercise physiology. And everything I was finding out there was like, well, if you told me this whilst I was dancing, maybe, like, it could have been a complete different story. Um, and most like, a lot of that was kind of training principles and just like learning that you don't have to kind of go hard every single day um which I felt was the culture um in the dance world but it was also this appreciation of the female body and it's not something that anyone really talked to me about we didn't talk about it like we we did class exactly the same as all the boys and in some like ballet schools you do slightly different classes but apart from that we were all considered exactly the same and actually I began to kind of read more whilst I was doing my masters about the female athlete, the menstrual cycle and all these different considerations and I, everything I was reading was such a like ah oh, light bulb moment again and again and again. Um and so I kind of decided very probably quite early on that that was what my research focus was going to be. Um, and then stumbled across um, Georgie Brunvalse, who's the co-founder of Fitter Woman, Dr. Georgie Brunvalse, sorry. Um, and she kind of took me under her wing. And from then, I, from there I kind of started working with Fitter Woman and, and Oroko as a company. So I'm just like so, um, like, passionate about getting all of this information out there because I feel like as researchers, we can sometimes sit in this little bubble that we think everyone knows what we know, but actually, it's just so not the case. Like, it's just even the basic principles of sports science are just not appreciated or taken into consideration, possibly because there are kind of sexier things to talk about um, and different ways of going about sports and nutrition that aren't necessarily scientific, but they're more attractive for some people.
0: Yeah, I love how you say sexy. I'll often say that because uh, mm-hmm. I talk about this taking the long way home. So yeah. home, like back to the body to connect to your body and understand it. And often we want to take the short way home, which yes. is the sexy way. Yeah. Like we don't want to yeah. like learn about our body and like to learn about our cycle and how to train with it and our physiology mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's the long way home, and often we're yeah we're very um connected or pulled to the that sexy way.
1: Definitely, especially yeah. in diet practice, it's yeah,
0: yeah. So um, which I I love, and, and when you tell that story, it's you deciding to take that long way home mm. to know that actually there's something that's not quite right here. Yeah, and and what is it? Uh, and yeah, so I guess I would love to start with uh so the research. Mm-hmm. So what 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 the research actually is saying, uh we can start with the cycle, sure. uh what's actually going on with the cycle and then we can start to link it into uh you know, at, like how we can use it as a tool. But yep. and yeah, like you said, I love how you said that in the research you we can do all the research but are we like expressing and articulating it are we yeah. yeah like inviting people in in a super interesting sexy friendly way and i think that's what fitter woman does really well is just creates this platform that is so inviting to learn about this super cool tool yeah that's
1: that's that's the aim so yeah, <laughs> <that's what laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, so let's start with uh, a little bit of science
1: around like the menstrual cycle. Sure. So I guess the first thing um, before like diving deep into it is that um, just to appreciate kind of where we are in terms of research. So it, there has been an historic lack of, of research into females, um, partly because of several kind of bans like just before world war ii women were actually banned from being participants um, in order to protect any potential like unborn fetuses but also it just wasn't appreciated that um males and females were, were different uh, quite frankly which <laughs> is slightly embarrassing um and then um there were a series of events that meant that researchers were, were also then quite scared of of testing women and, and investigating women's health issue, uh, issues. Um, and so it wasn't until kind of the eighties that there was this kind of slight surge and, um, encouragement to include women as participate, uh, as participants. And so there has been some, like, since then there has been some research into the menstrual cycle, into hormones, into female physiology. Um, but it, it's, it's not quite there yet. Like it's not, um, there's quite a lot of me- me- oh, methodological <laughs> I can't even say the word. <laughs> methodological, there we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> methodological um problems in the research. Um so it's quite hard to compare or to draw any kind of concrete evidence um or kind of statements about things. It's also really important to appreciate that we are very individual. Um, There is a lot of uh, variation between women and also between cycles of the same woman. And so that is always going to affect research because you're never going to repeat exactly the same, be able to repeat exactly the same measures. So (laughs) I guess that's just one thing to say is that everything should be very individualized um, and that it's not a one size fits all approach and um, that being said there are some kind of really interesting things that happen throughout the cycle so i guess i can go into those um so a menstrual cycle is typically um well t- typically 28 days although who who knows anyone with a 28 day cycle yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> we look for a range for kind of a, a healthy regular cycle we look for a range between 22 and 35 days long with not much variation um, from cycle to cycle. A few days here and there is kind of okay. Um, and then it starts with, with, the, with your period. So it starts day one is the first day of bleeding, um, which is kind of menstruation. So we call that phase one in Fit just for pure ease. Okay. Um, and you've got like your hormone levels are pretty low. So at the end of the cycle they've fallen and then they stay pretty low during menstruation. Um And we know that it's a kind of an inflammatory process, so we know that during this phase um levels of inflammation um are often elevated um just baseline inflammation, it's not like you're going to be admitted to hospital but um <laughs> just <laughs> and that that but that could have an inf- influence on um recovery from exercise it could influ- can influence how you feel, it can cause all sorts of symptoms um and typically uh females do cite symptoms in this phase and in the premenstrual phase at the end of the cycle and so it's really about um managing symptoms in this phase like that's primarily our our work. what our work is about especially with elite athletes um i think that there are there is some evidence to suggest that during this phase and in phase two um, certain kind of capacity to capitalise on strength training might be increased, um, but that's again very individual. Um, and so phase one kind of is yeah, it, it's some some women feel great when they when they're bleeding, some women don't. So it, again, it, it, you've got to take it as as what your body says to you. Um, and we know that exercise is important. In, if you're experiencing symptoms because that can have an anti-inflammatory effect um so moving into um phase two so this is kind of the rest of the follicular phase so phase one and two of the follicular phase um and during phase two estrogen increases and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that women feel pretty good in this phase usually um it's yeah estrogen is a great hormone so it's it's linked with serotonin release um so makes you feel good um it is linked with um kind of more stable blood sugar levels which is quite important um and so yeah phase 2 usually is is pretty good there is some kind of link there is a link with um estrogen and ligament laxity and altered neuromuscular um activation And so often in research, a lot of research is focused on ACL injury and estrogen. um, And there seems to be a potential like window pre-ovulation when estrogen levels peak, um, where risk of ACL injury is increased. But um, we would never say like, don't play on this day or don't train. It's about like being smart with it. And um, there's a great, New Zealand um kind of protocol or uh, like warm-up that you that they've developed in New Zealand uh called ACC Sports Mart and that has been shown to potentially mitigate those risks of injury so it's just about being savvy about it um I'll, I'll continue there's so much I could say yeah. um, and, <laughs> so after phase two you've got ovulation um, and that kind of bisects the cycle into these two phases the follicular phase and the luteal phase um some women experience pain during ovulation um there's an athlete that we work with that used to feel absolutely nauseous around ovulation and like couldn't train should be vomiting everywhere which is not very nice, um, but if that's you, then we definitely would say seek some help and some like kind of more medical advice. Um, and then after ovulation, you kind of go into phase three, which is uh, the kind of early mid luteal phase, um, where estrogen levels remain pretty high, but uh, progesterone levels start to increase. Um, progesterone is a is a funny hormone because it, it can be really good. It it can be really linked to like uh boosted mood um but it, it can also cause some problems for some people um it causes this increase in body temperature so um in the past the kind of only way to to detect whether you have ovulated was to measure your uh, core body temperature in the morning because progesterone is thermogenic so it causes this increase in about zero point of about 0.3 to 0.5 degrees celsius um so if you're trying to track your fertility, that can be a really good, a good sign to show that you've um, it That can also cause an increased heart rate by a few beats per minute, um, both at rest and at exercise, and may impact exercise in the heat. So it's something just to be aware of if you're tracking your training, if you uh, train by heart rate, anything like that. Um, it can also cause sleep disruptions, So this increase in body temperature can often cause um, problems with sleep we know that if you're hot then you find it harder to sleep um, so kind of sleep hygiene in this space is really important and the other thing that progesterone is linked to is this increase in um, protein catabolism so breakdown of, of muscle protein um, and again it's nothing to be like scared about or worried about but it could uh, it just might mean that you might need to think about your protein intake a bit more like sometimes we can go through a day and not really think about what we're eating, which is absolutely fine. Um, But maybe you just need to pay a bit more attention of having some protein before and after any kind of exercise, especially if it's muscle damage exercise. Um, And then during kind of towards the end of phase three, you get this um, potential delayed recovery, things start to get a bit kind of, fatigue lethargic and then uh phase four is this premenstrual phase that's linked to um kind of an increase in symptoms um lots of women feel more tired or a bit moody um cravings often happen and that's because these hormones start suddenly start to fall and this decrease in hormones is again linked with this increase in inflammation um it's linked with a kind of instable blood pressure, blood sugar levels. So, uh, reduced insulin sensitivity, which can cause this, these cravings. So, again, it's just it's just about being savvy with your nutrition and and actually maybe thinking about it for a bit. It's not always nice. It's, you don't always want to do that. You just want to be able to eat what you want. But um, we also know that uh, some diets, um, like the Mediterranean diet, potentially could help with pms symptoms so um and like things like oily fish fruit and veg intake they could also really help so if you find that you're struggling and you're just nose diving into a whole jar of nutella then maybe that's like you probably need to just look at your fruit and veg intake instead of of worrying about your body weight or what cravings you're having so um it's just about having more of the other stuff (laughs)
0: I love that you used Nutella. Well, it was the first thing I thought of doing. <laughs> okay, so now that's if you know a woman has you know a cycle a a cycle that arrives regularly on time and yeah. mostly without symptoms mm-hmm. uh but like you said before, we know that pretty much. Uh, most women don't have a regular 28 day cycle. It can look uh, a little different lengthwise Mm -hmm. and then every cycle can be different. Mm -hmm. But how do we then, because it is a tool. So let's, let's stop for a second and look at, okay, that's one difference in female physiology. Uh, Are there other differences in our physiology that uh, we should be paying attention to to support our training? And then we'll go into, okay, the cycle is one difference in our physiology, uh, and we can use that as a tool. And then we'll explore how we can train with our cycle. But before we go there, are there some other differences in female physiology?
1: Um, Between males Males and females? Males and females so physiologically um most of it is hormone driven so that's pretty like pretty much like govern like the menstrual cycle dominate, it dominates dominates phys- physiology and um, there are some like anatomical things so um it's actually linked again with acl injuries because females are two to eight times more likely to get such an injury um, compared with males. And whilst the menstrual cycle is, it, and estrogen are linked to that, it's often attributed to this like different, um, difference in angles. Yeah, exactly. You're doing the, the hand signs, yeah. which is very helpful on a podcast. I appreciate, yeah. um, but it, there's different angles from the pelvis and um, that causes your knees to kind of knock um, and that can really like cause damage to your knee joints. Um, and that comes from, uh, yeah, from, from your cue angle. And um, also females are more uh, predisposed to have kind of a lumbar, um, lumbar like your in their back. So they've got this exaggerated lumbar curve um, where their pelvis tilts forward slightly. Um, and that can then cause weak um, kind of tight and weak hip flexors. So that's, something that you'd want to consider in in training um and often like we're talking i was talking to a a researcher an australian researcher actually last year at the female athlete conference in boston and we were just saying how well maybe it's not um women women train very hard it's not we don't need to change the way we train but we need to change what we do in training because sometimes we're just training to make everything brittle in the wrong areas, if that makes sense. Um, So we're just more breakable. Whereas if you often, uh, females need a slight more emphasis on the posterior chain compared to the um, anterior chain. So um, focusing on kind of glutes, hamstrings, um, and activation of those. Um, And then there are things like, we are more prone to kind of iron deficiencies. we have slightly we have smaller um, blood volume and hearts comparatively to the males um so there are all these kind of little things that you might not think about until something goes wrong so you wouldn't necessarily know that women are more pre- predisposed to kind of iron deficiencies unless you become iron deficient and then you're like oh okay <laughs> this is something that we need to consider um yeah, I guess they're, they're the main things that I can I can think of, and and like our sympathetic nervous system and stimulation are probably different. It, it's just yeah, and
0: I like I like how you say that. It's they just to be you just need to be aware of them, mm. uh, yeah, and that can really help support uh, the programming and uh, yes. the cycle is the biggest piece that Mm -hmm. you know is the difference between male and female physiology and now and then it starts with just being aware so like you said before there's no no two cycle can be the same within a woman uh, Mm -hmm. and that every cycle can be different Um, my cycle is different to yours yours is different to mine but it's understanding that so How do you go about, because I know in Orico they have, uh, they created a female athlete specific program.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so when you're working with females and female athletes, how do you start them on this journey? Say they have, they've never, they know that they have a cycle, yeah. uh, but they don't, they don't know really anything else. Uh, yeah. how, how do you start them to to yeah on that journey to understand their start to understand their physiology their cycle and then how do you teach them to
1: train with their cycle sure so um it's actually very like it's really interesting because so many women and female like elite athletes are no different only really think about their menstrual cycle when they're on their period so during menstruation And then the rest of the time, they don't even, like, it's nothing. Whereas actually that's when the hormones get pretty interesting. So, um, we always start with an education session. So we always introduce them to like, this is what your hormones are doing. This is, this is what you like might need to consider this. These are some kind of, uh, factors that, um, as a female athlete, you need to be aware of. So education is, is always the starting point. Um, education is key and you can really uh, change someone's mind. You need to, I guess, we need that buy-in. If We can't just like give someone a plan or some strategies and be like, here you go. We need them. We need everyone to understand why they need, why this might be necessary or relevant to them.
0: Yeah, I like how you said why. I think yeah. the, the why is the most powerful.
1: Yeah, um, and we yeah. we definitely found when we were developing even just Fitter Women the app that females want to know why. Like we've got this; it's almost hardwired into us. We they need to know things, the reason behind things. Um. So then, when once the kind of education sessions are done, we always we have that kind of a pretty extensive questionnaire that goes into kind of menstrual cycle history um symptoms use of hormonal contraception and things like that to give us a really good picture and understanding of where we can help each individual because no two athletes are are the same so um, all of our strategies are individualized they're personal they are bespoke and there's a lot of time that goes into kind of making sure that everyone gets the right um, advice and the right help where they need it because also you might be someone that is unfortunate and ex- experiences awful symptoms every cycle, but there might be one particular symptom that you want to work on. So, um, particularly mood swings, like we know that some that can be the biggest thing, and everything else is kind of well is secondary to that. But if what we need to like if we're working with you on a one-to-one basis or anyone on a one-to-one basis, then to know that that's what you want to work on is obviously pretty important. So, um, I guess that's, that's how it starts. And then we, we, we never would, we never change training. So I guess that's one thing related to, um, the, the research as well. Actually, research doesn't really say that performance is going, like objective performance differs throughout the cycle. There's a, maybe a tiny, um, difference, but not really like, measures of objective performance so whether that be kind of a time trial or a one rep max and strength training and um, research or um a, a kind of time to exhaustion test they don't say that menstrual cycle has much effect but that's going to be that's being studied that's in a lab that's only looking at two points in the menstrual cycle so we would never want to say that anyone is going to not be able to perform um but it's about like having the right strategies Um so we i guess we work on on this one-to-one basis a lot around things that surround training so we're like the bubble with a cushion so that every athlete can go to training and perform um so whether that's they have different nutritional kind of requirements or um, recovery, they need to focus on recovery particularly, or we've got some kind of cramp, a mental cramp protocol or a lower back stretching protocol that is really helpful. Um, and everything is evidence-based, so everything is, comes from research. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we'll work on. Each athlete has kind of a phase one plan, a phase two, a phase three, and a phase four. There's, sometimes there's a crossover, some athletes, they're pretty good for half of the time and then they just need like a little bit of a tweak here and there. So yeah, I guess that's that's how it works. Okay.
0: So it's uh, starting to like track their cycle and understand their cycle yeah. or you do yeah. it through that very in-depth uh, detailed questionnaire where you yeah. get a, you know, a picture
1: of uh, their cycle history and yeah, what it's and, and their symptom history as well, particularly, and um, and then every cycle. So typically, we work with elites for three cycles. So then every cycle, we'll check in with them and be like, "Oh, what do we need to tweak here and there?" So it's it's very much a learning kind of trial and error process sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, I really like that because if you're working with elite athletes, uh, it's not like they. How, can change. Do you know what I mean? Like change yeah. their sport, or not turn up to training one day, or take time off. Or can change when yeah. the Olympic
1: final is going to yeah. be. Like...
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And this comes up often, and uh, this around like, well, should I, I? Should I not do a competition then, or should I not do my race when mm. I have my yeah. periods, or in this time of my cycle? And uh, it's it's actually. It's not like that. It's not like we avoid. Uh, And I really love that. And I, yeah, I love that you just uh, express that because it's just being aware of what's actually happening in your (laughs) cycle with your hormones and to know, yeah, for sure. Towards the end of the cycle, there's some things that are going on that can potentially make it, Feel a little harder but it's not impossible Um, and it's just putting strategies and protocols in place that support you to perform you know when you're in that part of the cycle
1: yeah nail on the head yeah (laughs)
0: Well, it comes up a lot. Like I get asked a lot around, you know, well, then should I like, how do I exactly like plan my training? And and do I have to like really, I I need to change it? And should I not do this here and not do that here? And I'm like, well, no, it's that you just have this cycle. It's a tool uh, Mm -hmm. for you to understand. And then it's really all the other stuff around it, like you just spoke about.
1: And it's a lot about doing more rather than not doing anything that makes it like, it's about adding in things rather than saying no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rather than taking away the training yeah. or changing yeah. the training. Yeah. yeah. It's really looking at, uh, Let's talk a little bit about the fueling piece mm-hmm. and fueling and training fueling in the cycle mm-hmm. um, because that comes up quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we fuel differently throughout the cycle? Does it matter? Yeah, I think
1: there are a, diff- a few different schools of thought. I think um, some people are, some people like to control things like uh, their macros. So and and i'm not i'm not a nutritionist i'm just going to say that now um and i i don't necessarily think that you should dramatically change your your macros i think it's sometimes a timing um thing about where, whether you have protein before a workout protein plus carbs Whether you have carbs during a workout we know that that's particularly helpful in phases three and four um so like being really at like I mean if you do an hour or more then you should probably have some kind of carbs during a workout but you know sometimes that slides <laughs> so <laughs> it's about uh kind of being strict with yourself a bit more um I think rather than focusing on macros sometimes it's better to focus on those micronutrients um so thinking about we know that kind of if you experience symptoms especially there are like uh, people with pms often are it's often linked to kind of deficiencies in things like magnesium or calcium or vitamin b we know those and those can help with symptoms um and also there are some like vitamin c um and vitamin e can be anti-inflammatory so getting in those is really important um I think the other the other key thing about nutrition is that, um, especially so phase two when you feel pretty good, um, you might be able to push a little bit harder. Your appetite might also just kind of be normal as opposed to being ravenous throughout the whole day. Um, but we also know that if you underfuel or kind of mess about with your intake in that phase, that can lead to Disruptions to your cycle. So, one of my kind of bugbears is um, these kind of trendy diets, like uh, fasting or um, reduced carbohydrate intake every day. Don't always work for women, um, and that's just not the message. is so not clear a lot of the time, um, especially if you're exercising quite a lot um if you're in a state of fasting that can put your body in a lot of stress and if you the the research that supports these kind of diets is often in clinical populations um and that's not you if you're exercising six days a week so um it's just extrapolated and then it's in the media and it's like oh it looks great but it could cause your hormone health absolute chaos. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really
0: key because often the research comes from males.
1: <laughs> yeah. Males uh, yeah. who are diabetic, yeah. diabetic.
0: or You yeah, <laughs> are, you know, uh, They classify as obese or overweight who have some other comorbidity uh, Mm -hmm. and they're doing it for weight loss and Mm -hmm. often before, you know, weight loss before surgery. uh, And then, yeah, like you said, it becomes this sexy thing that comes out in the media. uh, But we often forget that it has nothing to do with performance, (laughs) No, and training so.
1: exactly. It's not going to help you run a PB. Like, oh, uh, and the keto diet is is proven to be beneficial for people with epilepsy. Like, that's its main, the good thing about it. Like, that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's, I
0: often tell the uh, women that I work with, go and have conversations with a lot of elite athletes. And I can tell you that they're not like, they're a lot of them are not fasting. <laughs> they're not on a special like diet. They're not on keto They're They eat, you know, real whole food, balanced meals. They eat a lot. They have to eat enough uh, yeah, exactly. for their training and performance.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, there's like, the tiniest bit of evidence to suggest well there's some evidence to suggest that um in certain types of athletes um a kind of train uh was it fuel load train load something like that anyway doing one low carbohydrate workout a week is beneficial for performance but that's one a week under like supervision of a sports nutritionist and they do not like nothing maximum in that in that workout they do like it's low intensity and you get these people kind of especially in cities going to do hit workouts without having anything to eat before and like your whole nervous system is just going to be completely like screwed. <laughs> That's a, I love that word. It
0: is. It's. It does, yeah. And it's, it's very common. It's very common in females that, uh, you know, we wake up, we don't eat breakfast. We go and do high intensity training. Uh, we have caffeine as well. That just We have caffeine, caffeine. <laughs> and then we're, we're not eating until nine, 10, 11, <laughs> Uh, or sometimes even later. And yeah. then, you know, and it may not show up straight away, but then it's often at the detriment to, yeah, our cycle, our hormones, mm-hmm. we're getting injured, we have yeah. no energy, we have no sex drive. Yeah. Uh,
1: illness, yeah.
0: Illness, yeah, immune system. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, for me, I think it's like, when we talk about uh, the physiology and the cycle and food, it's kind of like two pronged. There's one, like, are you just fueling just to support your physiology, to support yeah. you, uh, you know, for your day, for life. Uh, and then are you eating to fuel your training and yeah. your Definitely. performance?
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and often we, we don't have the foundation. We don't have the first one. uh, uh right I guess or you know when we don't have that nourished uh, and then we're going out and we're training on top of this uh, and so that's when we're seeing yeah irregular cycles Uh, often I'm working with women that just can't get the results that they want in their training Mm -hmm. and now results means whatever to them yeah goals goals, but often they can't get they can't get the results that they want and Mm -hmm. I find that the big piece is their food, their mm. fueling, or their lack of fueling yeah. <laughs> or undernourishment.
1: <laughs> and then um, we get like, it's interesting because we work with some athletes and <clears throat> I like, as a dancer, I was definitely guilty of doing this of having like an okay breakfast. And then I felt like I was eating a lot during the day, but actually it was all pretty like nothingness. So I was that then putting my body in an energy deficit throughout the day and then going home and being starving and pretty much raiding my whole cupboard and fridge and like then you feel like you've eaten enough you've eaten enough you've eaten a lot but actually there's a really interesting study looking at within day within day energy um availability and it showed that these kind of two groups of women, so it took a group of women that were amenorrheic, so they didn't have any cycle, um, a cycle, and eumenorrheic group, so they did menstruate regularly. And they kind of found that the amenorrheic group were in this energy deficit for like extended periods of time compared with the eumenorrheic group. and But they were both groups were eating the same amount of energy each day. So, it's not just about the amount that you eat in a day, it's about how you then distribute it throughout the day. Um, And trying to just be, yeah, like spread, spread it all, spread your, make sure your blood, it makes sure your blood sugar level is stable. You'll feel like you can perform throughout the whole day. You don't have as many slumps. Like it, yeah, it could drastically improve things. That's really interesting, that study. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I yeah. <laughs> I would love I yeah, I would love to read it. Uh because I often speak about this food frequency, uh yeah. eating often, uh, really to come back to support the blood sugar. Yeah. Because if the blood sugar is going up and down like a roller coaster, uh, it just creates so much stress in the body. Yeah. And then it's yeah. the stress uh on the system that's causing, you know, the irregular cycles, the unhappy hormones, our inability to recover and perform. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so- if, your muscle, if your muscles are in a um, a negative protein balance as well, you're not going to be able to build any muscle. So if you're strength training on an energy deficit, there's no point. <laughs> basically.
0: Yeah, because it's just eating all your muscles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very fascinating, that study. Uh, and again, something that hasn't really been looked at a mm. lot. Uh, so yeah, I would love to love to read that. Sure. <laughs> <Is> that <correct? laughs> yeah. Just be like, here.
1: <laughs> so, I
0: Print it off. Yeah, but we can even feel that though. You know, if you're eating consistently, eating often, and eating enough, uh, and you're aware and you can see patterns in it, you know, Mm -hmm. how you feel, uh, your energy, uh, how your cycle is, uh, how your training went. And it's just committing to, you know, getting curious and tracking and seeing those patterns. Definitely. What about uh, a female who may not have a cycle? Or has a very regular cycle?
1: Sure. So we always say that having a menstrual cycle, a regular pain-free and as symptom-free as possible menstrual cycle is a vital sign of health. And particularly just having a, a regular menstrual cycle. And especially in the sports world, there has been this kind of taboo that just because, or like myth that just because you're sporty, you won't have a regular cycle. Even to the point where some coaches say to their athletes like good if you lose your site, which is horrendous. Um, Yeah. I had um,
0: Lucy Bartholomew on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And she was saying that within the like endurance space and the ultra endurance space, it's super common. And it's actually celebrated if they don't have a cycle and none
1: of the coaches are talking about it. Oh dear me. Fills me with terror, um, because it shouldn't be that case. Like that should not be the case. Um, there are many athletes that do have regular cycles.
0: Yeah, and that's what she said. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm almost the odd one out because I hack. I have a cycle, mm-hmm. and so many of the females that you know, I'm running or in the sport, they don't.
1: Yes. But I yes. do. So, <laughs> so um, if you lose your cycle and um, don't have a period for 90 days or more, or, or three cycles, um, we would say that's secondary amenorrhea. If you have a very long cycle, so anything over 35 days, we'd say that's oligomenorrhea. And those two kind of dysfunctions to do with cycle length um, or like present or succession of cycles are linked with uh, a certain number of things um, that are basically just stresses on the body. So the menstrual cycle is governed by this um, axis called the HPG axis, um, and it's pretty. It's a pretty tight regulatory system. It's great. It means that when you were a, a cave woman back in the day, if there was something going to attack you, your body was like, No, I don't want to have a baby right now. Like we're in a, this famine state. I can't support a child. So it's a pretty clever mechanism, but obviously the body doesn't necessarily know what is like can't differentiate between stresses. So what it perceives to be a stress is going to have pretty much similar effects. Um, and so these stresses are things like under fueling um, and like energy deficits, energy availability throughout a day um, or throughout a week, prolonged. Um, energy deficit Um, over training as well so just increasing your training load far more than your body is is ready for particularly huge steps in training so if you went from running 20 kilometers a week to 60 kilometers a week not only might you get injured and that's very likely but your body is also gonna think that that's pretty stressful um and then also things like psychological stress. So it's been interesting during lockdown, actually, we've had lots of women report um, kind of alterations to their cycle length um, and that's purely well, as well as kind of differences in nutrition and exercise, but a lot of it is to do with um, kind of psychological effects that we've all been through um, and we've, I've, I'm involved in a research study looking at that actually, which is really interesting um and then the other stress is stresses are things like sleep deficiency so alterations to circadian rhythm and then that's also linked to long haul travel um so shift workers are pretty prone to irregular menstrual cycles and amenorrhea um as are um, flight attendants and so in for in elite sports in things sports like tennis where the athletes are, are pre-COVID, traveling around the world all the time and changing time zones that can cause haywire to your kind of regulatory systems of which the menstrual cycle is one. So there are many different reasons why you might have or might lose a cycle. Um, But we would always, always encourage you to go to a a medical professional. Um, Unfortunately, some medical professionals aren't up to date with current research or thought or beliefs. Um, and often they'll they'll either say you'll be fine you just need to stop exercising or they'll put you on some kind of hormonal birth control which may be like a putting a band-aid over a wound but it's not going to solve the problem so if that's what you get then I would encourage you to get a second or third advice maybe seeking a nutritionist or a dietitian that's qualified in sports, um, nutrition, um, talking to, if you have a coach talking to them, so please like speak around because (laughs) GPs are great, but they, they don't, they can't know everything.
0: Yeah. And they're just not trained. Like they're, they're just not trained in that. And even like you know, I did uh, a Bachelor of Exercise Science and Nutrition and a Master's in Dietetics and I, we weren't even trained, no. you know, it, uh, my Master's in Dietetics was so diet and disease related, mm-hmm. it was so yeah. Clinical yeah. that, you know, we're not, we weren't taught about that and so, yeah, like the, you know, a GP or a doctor is, they're amazing and they're needed uh, sometimes but unfortunately, sometimes their training just doesn't, you know, doesn't cover that. And also it's just delayed in like delayed research, like getting research, you know, being able to keep up with all of the research. So the thing that they can,
1: the thing they can do is give you a blood test and check that there's no like underlying pathological reason why you, you stopped menstruating. So like that you don't have, um, polycystic ovaries, like some kind of other uh, dysfunctions that aren't caused by disruptions to the axis
0: yeah yeah so there's not like an underlying medical condition there but often what's happening is that it's just stressed uh -hmm. the the system stress so the brain just talks to the ovaries and says hey (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, (laughs) i kind of like to think of the the access like a three-way chat, you know, they're all talking to each other yeah. and then the three-way chat like you did in school, that it's just broken. And so yeah. that's <laughs> a great analogy. The, the stress is uh yeah, causing that disconnection between the three-way chat and you know, you want to get back on that three-way chat because it's yeah. really nice to have like <laughs> two of your friends there talking to each other and uh communicating. And so yeah, yeah I think we Uh, We need to look at what's causing stress, you know, to our system. And again, it's, you know, we'll we'll always have stress, (laughs) but it's our ability, you know, do we have the knowledge uh, and the tools to support that, to support our system, to support our cycle, to manage that stress?
1: Yeah, definitely. Stress can be good in some some situations. We need it. But um, yeah, it's about management.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Stress gets such a bad rap, but it's actually essential. We we need it, and it's it's good for us. It's just that chronic, uh, you know, stress that we we can't downregulate or manage that, um, yeah, is not so good for us. Uh, so, what are what uh, research are you working on at the moment?
1: Yeah. So. Um we so i mentioned this this one about covid the kind of implications of lockdown on menstrual cycle characteristics so that um is that's really exciting actually um to be involved in um we last year we did um a massive research study in collaboration with strava um in and I can't remember how in a lot of we had a lot of participants, which was amazing across seven different countries, and so we are only like skimming the surface at the moment in terms of data coming out of that and uh and papers but there's there's some amazing findings, like just the amount of women that say that their menstrual cycle has negatively impacted them at some point um a lot of women. Uh, have like I think it's a third of women have had to call in sick or like miss work because of their menstrual cycle um, like the lack of education and conversation that's had around these kind of things um, especially with coaches is, is really interesting so we're hoping to kind of publish um all of this data and these papers um, so that so that we can evoke change I think that's that's why I do research in the first place is why a lot of researchers do it's because we want to change anything we're we're measuring um so I guess they're the, the the two big ones I'm trying to think I'm sure I was involved in something else recently but I can't remember oh it was I was writing a book chapter that's a totally oh. different different <laughs> other thing <Cool. laughs> uh yeah yeah uh it's a, researcher kind of has put together this book about distance running and for coaches which so me and my colleague were writing a female specific chapter
0: yeah and that's a whole nother uh piece in itself there this art of uh talking about it the Mm. art of having a conversation as a coach and you know i've Mm. been a coach for 12 years and we coaches were not taught about it we're not taught about the cycle we're not taught how to talk about it uh you know with our female athletes our female clients our female students yeah yeah yeah. and
1: it's it's this uh, catch-22 because the the coach doesn't really want to bring it up but then that means the athlete doesn't know that they can bring it up, so then they don't bring it up. So then it's like goes around in the circle. Um and and particularly like male clients, male coaches know that they might need to like help their female athletes on kind of uh things like this or uh, menstrual cycles or any related issues but they don't know how to start that conversation so um I think that's we so we have a a kind of coaches platform called to Coach and um that that has really come out of this need to facilitate conversation um between coach and support team and their athletes so that the athlete feels comfortable um in going to training and being like and their coach knows whether they've experienced they're fatigued or what side, what part of their cycle they're in. So.
0: Yeah. And that's really especially important in like youth spot. Yeah. Uh, because I think when you, nah, not always, but when you get to this elite level and, mm-hmm. you know, you start to have more connection with your body and understand your body mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, even develop just the skills of like, you know, hard conversations and expressing and articulating yourself. It's easier, I think, to connect with your coach and have that conversation. But all young girls, young females uh, Mm. that, you know, are, you know, developing like their physical potential that are just not connected to their, to their body or their cycle, and then have, you know, potentially a a male coach that doesn't know as well. And then they're, like you said before at the start, training just like males. And, you know, that's okay sometimes for sure. But again, yeah, not understanding this. And so I think it is an art that, and that's why I love when, yeah fitter woman develop fitter coach because uh it's so it's important and we you know we can't talk about what we don't know or we, we, what we don't understand so I think that's the first piece as a coach like do you understand uh a cycle uh yeah. and then then the second piece is do you understand your female athlete's cycle yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> uh, but then it comes back to us as well and this is you know empowering us to understand our own cycles and empowering mm-hmm. us to speak up and have that conversation
1: and like and if you told me um 10 years ago that I would be openly talking about periods pretty much like 24 7 I would have cringed so much like i can't tell you so it yeah it things need to change and it is only by talking about it that we can do that
0: yeah that's um yeah and it wasn't like i never had a problem talking about periods it didn't come up very often other than just with your girlfriends but yeah it wasn't until i was competing in olympic weightlifting and there was like this missing piece that i just couldn't like you know after years of like really high volume training and I'd always been very good at all the other stuff, like fueling my body, resting my mobility and recovery practices, but something wasn't quite right. And in the end, that's when I started to get into this work, I figured out, Oh, I didn't understand my cycle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did. Like I knew that I had a cycle and I've always yeah. been, um, I'm not going to say lucky because I've I've always been very active. I've always fueled my body properly uh, and I've always been pretty connected to it. So my cycle was always regular on time and pretty much without symptoms. But then you add this training volume and this type of training on top of that. And yeah, I just didn't understand what was happening in my cycle that impacted uh, my training. and. Uh, It's yeah, maybe only when you go through something like you mentioned before, you know, the volume of training that you were doing and realizing that, hey, (laughs) this, you know, it's it's not maybe not supporting me all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to just finish off
1: talking about uh, Fitter Woman, like the app? Sure. Um, So Fitter Woman is a free app to download on um, the App Store and Google Play, so iPhone and Android. Um, And it is, I guess, the nuts and bolts of it, it's a menstrual cycle tracking app. So you can log when you have a period, you can log uh, flow, you can log symptoms throughout the whole cycle. And you can also connect it with Apple Health and Strava, so you can see your kind of exercise alongside those. and i guess our hope and you can log notes as well so if anything comes up that isn't like a symptom already in the app you can log that and then we hope that by logging everything you'll kind of get to see kind of patterns and trends you can look back on a month or two and have a look and see oh okay this is i last last month i had exactly the same kind of a week oh maybe it's like this is when i need to target uh, certain things um, but then i guess our usp is that we provide um information on physiology nutrition and um training for each phase um taking sports science research um, and evidence and putting it into kind of an un- hopefully understandable little kind of nuggets um so that you can kind of appreciate what's going on in your body and what that what effects that might have and we're always really um cautious to use the words may and can because we we again we appreciate everyone is individual um, and there's not enough evidence to say, to say that this will definitely do this um and then we also have kind of insights along the top so any we any kind of other information we think is relevant we um, have a pretty good catalogue of lots of other things along there and um, whether that's menstrual dysfunctions or a bit about hormonal contraceptives or tips for recovery or some bits on bone health kind of lots of things up there um, and then we also have recipes and lists of kind of top foods for each phase and um, that we we love like we love seeing kind of on social media when people kind of cook our recipes for each phase It's, it's great, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I guess that's that's fit to cook fit a woman in an in a nutshell um, we also there is also this ability to um turn the training content off, so we had quite a lot of feedback from elite teams saying that they didn't want their players to know. About certain training implications, like even injury risk, just because they're that's that's for the coach to see and not for the athlete. So we we added this feature. We can turn that off. Um, and then we also have a whole reference list. So if you're if you like reading sports science research, then you can also read all of the references, all the everything's from.
0: Yeah. They're sexy and then maybe not so sexy to yeah, some exactly. people. Not yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think both are sexy, but you know, if you want the sexy, it's yeah, like you said, those the nuts and bolts, the little nuggets, the mm-hmm. the, the the information that is just expressed and articulated in, you know, a little bit more of a sexier form. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so if a female wants to start to like use her physiology as an advantage and start to understand all of this, can you just give maybe like three or four things that she needs
1: to start to look at and do so um track your cycle um not just when you're bleeding but your symptoms as well um, check in with yourself every day and that That kind of links to tracking. Um, I think so often we go through life without really thinking about how we're feeling. And it's only when it gets really bad or really good that we do. Um, but if you kind of wake up and check in how you're feeling and then before you go to sleep again, you check it and you can start to kind of really connect with your, with your own body. Um, Uh, pay attention to diet at different times particularly if you have symptoms I think it's a really key thing um and I don't fall for the the sexy adverts I mean the things that sound boring are probably the things that are going to help you the most
0: yeah I love that (laughs) yeah yeah, it's kind of like stretching, you know, or mobility. It's not that yeah. sexy. It's boring, but it is so important. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Okay, we're going to finish with five questions. Okay. Okay. Number one is why do you train?
1: Oh, um, for the exhilaration and for the peace of mind. Beautiful.
0: What's one of your favorite ways to move your body? This is not a question. I'm just asking you. Uh, Oh,
1: okay. Um, Either to run or to have like a dance party by myself, just in my living room, dance it out.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Number two, you have a billboard in Times Square and it's going to stay there forever. What does it say on it?
1: um what is it oh that is a good question um it says (sighs) women have different bodies to men (laughs) yes (laughs) beautiful (laughs) physiology anyway
0: (laughs) yeah i can see it i can see it there in times square (laughs) Uh, what are your top three favorite books?
1: Oh, okay. I'm, I'm a I'm a Harry Potter sucker. Oh, yes, so.
0: <laughs> but all of the books only count as one.
1: <laughs> good, good. Yeah, the anthology. <laughs> so I'll take Harry Potter with me as a all seven in one book. Um his not northern the northern lights by philip pullman is another i like children's books clearly um and um i'm only part way through this but why we sleep by matthew walker is a game changer of a book
0: oh cool i haven't read that
1: yeah i definitely recommend i mean unless you're a poor sleeper in which case it might just freak you out (laughs) (laughs)
0: no you need to read it (laughs) yeah it's really good (laughs) beautiful okay Uh, the next question is what are three things that you would like to be remembered for
1: Um, being generous supporting supporting others, and especially other women and my research. Beautiful. <laughs> and
0: last question. What day are you on?
1: Oh, hmm. I don't know. I, just <laughs> it. I haven't checked in. Hang on. Let me check my app. <laughs> I'm in phase two, I know that. Beautiful. And <laughs> um, I am Day thirteen. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Easter June. Now I feel good, so <laughs> yeah, you feel good. Yeah. Oh Esa, thank you for uh being generous with your time today. Thank you you for supporting women to learn about their physiology and to help them perform and train at their best. And thank you for doing the research that you do.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Yeah, I have really enjoyed this. And I know all the women that listen to this will... Uh, take lots of little sexy nuggets away <laughs>
1: <It>. <laughs> yeah thank you so much no worries thank you
0: if you have any questions you can connect with me on Instagram at amykatebow I also write a daily blog you can sign up on my website amykatebow.com thank you for making the space to listen today remember take the long way home. Bye for now.